0: Featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All
1: right, what is going on? Welcome to Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. Today is Tuesday, March something. I don't know what day it is. I do know it's Tuesday, though. Which means as always, I am joined by my good buddy, podcaster, writer, sports media personality, noted hockey too, by the way, substack creator, Joe Yerdon. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing great.
2: By the way, it's March seventh, just so you know. Get your your days, get your days right. (laughs) You know.
0: Yeah, I, listen i
2: get it. it we're we're starting well i'm not gonna jinx the weather but like it's starting to get to the greener part of the uh the, the the calendar so i get like days run together it's you know we're speeding through everything so yeah
1: could have fooled me about the greener part of the weather at least on friday <laughs> night man and some yeah. of the week is cold man I, I feel like it march is going to be bad to make up for a uh mm-hmm. you know to be quite honest a pretty mild february i mean it was you know, we've had some major significant storms, like when yeah. it's hit, it's hit hard, but the consistent cold or six to eight inches, we really haven't gotten much of that. And in that aspect, I feel like it's kind of been a little bit of a mild winter, not too much of a mild Unless it's like a crazy yeah. fall. But, uh, right,
2: yeah, so I, it's, it's a lot like last year where we got hit in the teeth with like two big storms and mm-hmm. like nothing the rest of the time, which not going to jinx anything because I know the second I'd be like, yeah, we're in the clear, it, another monster snowstorm comes through and ruins our, ruins our week.
1: Right. And, you know what? And by the way, for everybody who, who's, whether you're watching this on YouTube, whether you're listening to this in podcast form, this week is kind of going forward is the consistency that I've been, I've been waiting for. Like Joe is with me on Tuesdays. Aaron Quinn is bouncing around. But starting this week and going forward, Aaron Quinn will be on with me Every Wednesday. So we got Joe on Tuesday, Aaron Quinn on Wednesday. And then on well, Thursday night live at Imperial drop Friday morning podcast form. I'll have a different guest with me every week. This week I am gonna have Tyler done. Supposed to have him a couple of weeks ago, but then you know, we were just talking about the weather <laughs> a couple of minutes ago. That was the the Thursday where the weather decided to take a real shit on Buffalo. So we mm-hmm. we, we couldn't make that happen. But anyway, that's gonna be the schedule going forward. It might have a, a random bonus episode in thrown in uh here and there. But anyway, so I need to say, because the Sabres have a, a big game tonight. We are taping this on Monday mid-afternoon, so the game will have already been played, um, you know, by the time people are listening to this episode. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But, you know, kind of just getting over the weekend. How was your weekend? I, I, I watched something. I'll tell you about that in a second. But did you have yourself a nice little uh, early March Buffalo weekend, or are you just chilling?
2: Uh, it was, well, it's chilling. Cause we had the game, uh, the game here Saturday, Saturday, Saturday afternoon. afternoon. So that was, you know, so we had to, we had to get down with that, uh, mm-hmm. which that's fine. I mean, whatever it's, that's totally fine. Uh, I went to the, uh, the Buffalo beer goddesses, uh, winter formal, I think, or just formal. Uh, they had it at big ditch brewing on Saturday night. That was a great event to go check out. They're, they're a fantastic group. Love doing stuff with that. Well, Doing stuff by doing stuff I mean going to their events and drinking beer and hanging hanging <laughs> out with friends. That's that's, yeah. that's what I like to support. But no, they, they do a lot of great stuff for uh for women and brewing in the in the city. They they go all out. Fantastic group. I don't know I don't know what your uh demographics are, are Pat, but like if any any of the women listeners who are who are big into craft beer, uh, look them up on Facebook. They're they're super to uh to to hang out with, and and they do monthly socials and stuff. I don't know why I'm the spokesman here. They, they <laughs> probably don't want me speaking up on it too much, but uh, but yeah, did that Saturday. Sunday was supposed to be a nice, easy day until you know I went driving around and my car started acting funny, which is really fun to have happen anytime. And uh, yeah, discovered uh, I got to get my spark plugs changed, which hopefully, hopefully today tuesday we can get that taken care of because right i am baby in the hell out of this thing right now yeah <laughs> it's it's reached the point in its life cycle where like it's time to to change those uh because it's creeping up on six figures and miles so it's uh it's getting there but um but it's like one of those things where it feels like it's an easy job to do where it's like i just buy some spark plugs get the right tools i could do this seems easy but then people are like are you sure you want to do that? You're not really a car guy. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good point. I probably don't want to go screw,
1: screw up my car anymore. I'm not a car guy, man. I literally cannot do anything. I can't change a light bulb or, or anything in my car. It is. Uh, <laughs> oh, you can't even change light bulb. See, I can do that. No, I can't. I literally can't. I am like wow. the, I am not a car guy at all. It's kind of embarrassing actually, to be honest with you, but it is what it is, man. I mean, you get fooled by like,
2: uh, Hey man, you got to change your, uh, your, your blinker fluid this month like or else your car is going to fall apart
1: oh i'm in trouble man <laughs> <laughs> oh no i go will get you every time pat you know waker Blinker fluid Blinker fluid okay <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a i had a nice relaxing weekend man I had some friends over played poker i played hold for the first time probably in five years whoa um, and we had a good I game here 12 okay. people we had two tables 12 people by the way won that tournament just want to throw that out no. there had a couple bucks and a Nice little trophy among amongst our friends. That was cool. Sunday, uh, and I'm assuming you have not gotten a chance to watch it. Because, like, again, it literally dropped late Saturday. I watched it Sunday. There's a new Chris Rock special oh. on Netflix, comedy special called Selective um, Outrage. I'm I'm assuming, again, we haven't really talked about it before we started taping it here. But I'm assuming you haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. Right? No, I, I didn't even know
2: he had one coming out. So that's I didn't either until late time. last week.
1: I did not know until later last week. Um, by the way, I did write up on my, uh, on my Substack, stack, I did actually write a, a longer review about this. Not going to get into it too much today. It's literally is brand new. So I don't want to really give too much of it away, but it, it was the first time since the Oscars last year where he's really addressed head on what happened with, with mm-hmm. the slap with Will Smith. Um, it was all right. It, it was good. You know, if, if you're a Chris Rock fan, I've seen better from him. Yeah, um, You know, some of the content w- was really good or some funny moments. Um, Meghan Markle and talk about her not knowing about the royal family being racist. He, he had a really funny bit about that. It's some funny stuff about Beyonce and Jay-Z. Other stuff fell flat. But the thing I didn't like was I tuned in and just like uh, I feel like most people did because he wanted mm-hmm. to finally hear him address what happened at the Oscars last year. And it, he didn't do it to the last five minutes of the show. It was like an hour long special. So at some point, even though it's kind of, you know, his his bits were pretty good, I was mm-hmm. kind of just glossing over him. Like, all right, man, come on, get to the shit that you know I want you to talk about. Uh, he was the only thing I'll say is that I mean, you could tell he's really angry. Like some stuff is comedy, but some stuff is like real. Mm-hmm. Like, and then he went a lot harder on Jada Pickett Smith, quite frankly, than he did Will Smith. Um, pretty uh interesting. I don't want to give too much away. It's worth watching, but I don't think it's going to be one of those, you know, like Chappelle or, or older Chris Rock classic type of, uh, yeah. Of shows, but no, so no. say his,
2: or his first couple two, three HBO stand-ups were all timers. Yeah. As I know. Like they yeah. were like, they, they rank up there with geez, so many, so many good ones where it's you know, like, it sticks out in your memory and you're like, okay, yeah, that one, that one's great. Like, basically what was it Eddie you know Eddie Murphy's dangerous like that's like an all-timer sure. uh, Richard you know what uh, was it Richard Pryor's first one is like an all-timer
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, anything Carlin did is pretty it's pretty much yeah perfect. yeah
1: yeah yeah for you sure, know guys man. like
2: that uh, Lewis Black like his first one where he's just you know completely unhinged it's great and super funny but, but yeah it, it's tough watching comedians lose their fastball over time mm-hmm. which is it, it's hard because you're like you're like you never want to be in that spot where you're like, just do the old jokes, do everything you used to do. Like nobody wants, you know, you can't really do that. Like it just, you know, the, the, the material ages out and you know, everybody knows it's coming. So it's like, mm, all right. Yeah. It's
1: still funny. Ha ha. But like, you're not tearing the house down with it. But the one um, thing, the one thing, Joe, I forgot to add to about Chris rock on Saturday night is the first time ever on Netflix. It was actually a live. It was like going to a sporting event. It was completely live. Oh. Even the shows that you mentioned, like Richard Pryor doing a, a show at an auditorium that was live or Eddie Murphy. I think he did Del- delirious he did raw. I remember seeing that at the, it was actually playing at the movie theaters, but it was still edited in post. You know what I mean? Before yeah. I went out, this was live. And I say that because um Chris rock fucked up a joke at the end oh. with Will Smith. He, he meant to say a movie and he said the wrong title and he acknowledged it too. In the mm-hmm. middle, he goes, I fucked up the joke. And then he got right back into it. It was the first time I've ever seen something uh, or they've ever done. I should say, something live. I which, appreciate that. Like that. I mean, I, do too. Should
2: be li- I mean, I get why you like you record it and edit it. Like you got to make it, you have to fit time constraints and make it, you know, make it flow naturally. Like I get that, but yeah, do it to do it live like that, man. Like I mean, it's, it's, I mean, they it's always stop live anyways with an audience or in a club or whatever, but but um, you could get
1: rid of some stuff for, for before it hits Netflix. You know, if like, you want to tighten it up, like you said, to your point, you need to tighten up for time or, if a joke bombs or you you know mm. you choke on the on the punchline or something like yeah. that, you kind of redo it, and the audience, the viewing, the streaming audience will never see, and only the people who are in that auditorium, yeah, will actually see it. What's, you
2: know, I, I I I love comedy. I would love to be able to be good enough to do it, to be well, to be funny enough to be able to pull it off. A mm-hmm. B have enough confidence to get up in front of people, run through the stuff, and then be okay with not being good. Like that, that's the, like I get why comedians get in their heads all the time because uh yeah i would too um but i got to uh what was it, a couple months back uh david cross who, you know he's uh joe bluth on uh arrested development mm-hmm. yeah you know, you- all kinds of things like he's he's just everywhere now but um he was working on he was up in toronto and was just like working on like stuff for an upcoming tour um and it was like 90 minutes almost two hours of him just like working th- working stuff out working jokes working you know the, the framework of stuff that he's going to do because he's touring now he's actually going to be what is, uh i think he's going to be at babeville i think it's babeville i don't know uh, but kind of soon like within a couple of weeks i think and i i, I it, it's the kind of thing where i want to see what the finished product is even though it's like maybe a lot of the material i saw that night is going to repeat itself but like sure when a when a comedian gets it down and they get, you know, the, the the timing and the you know the pace and all that stuff, they get it down and they nail it. That's like that's perfect joy for seeing a comedian when they're when they got it refined and they're able to get that laugh every time. It's so good. And like, uh, you know, the, the ones that do it and the ones that are able to pull it off, it's it's awesome. Like because it it really is an art. Because you're I mean, it's entertainment. It's stand up comedy is tough because not everybody has the same sense of humor either, right? obviously if you're doing a show, everybody there likes your stuff. So that helps, but, um, but it yeah, to, to, to get, just cost
1: enough money <laughs> you yeah, like that yeah. guy or girl, if you're going to see them, man. Yeah.
2: I was going to say, I, th- I think, the, I think the David cross one is like 40 or 50 bucks. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, whatever it's, it's a small enough show he's got like a niche enough audience. Like I get it. People like me will pay to go see that. Like that's, sure. that's fine. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I give a ton of credit to anybody doing comedy. Like even folks that are like trying to do it amateur, like amateur comedy nights, like it can be tough to go watch because they, you know, because listen, not everybody's going to be good. Not everybody's going to have anything figured out. Maybe they tell a couple of nice things. Maybe you see a couple of funny things and you're like, ah, okay, not bad, but it's so hard. It's such a difficult, I mean, it's getting up in front of people and talking anyways is hard. Like never
1: mind trying to make them laugh. Forget it. I can't imagine- I can only imagine I should say, you know, doing this podcast now for a little over five years, or you know I've done some spots on other shows and things like that, but it's like I know I've bombed before, you know I've just, mm. shit, man, I stumble over my outro every goddamn week, usually with you to a point where when you hear it at the end of the show, I'm gonna let you know right now it's pre-recorded at the end, but my point is I've bombed, you know, whether it's a live stream or whatever. I'm sure you've Oh, bombed yeah. on a podcast or some oh, kind yeah. of broadcast that you've been a part of before. Live
2: TV hit. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, live TV. <laughs> hit, that's tough enough. Imagine being on stage in front of you know no. well, I've even if it's just before, a small but... venue and you're at a club, that's gotta be tough to be able if you know you bombed the joke fell flat or you butchered it and mm-hmm. no, you don't get no reaction. The what's going through your mind in real time at that moment, mm-hmm. it's gotta be hard to overcome something like that bombing. Yeah, you
2: know. Yeah, it, it's uh, one of my favorites is Dave Attell because he's equal parts you know degenerate and also super funny, uh, and can be kind of gross with some of the jokes too. I mean, it's you know it's like college you know fart humor or whatever. But um, there was a, a special that he did. It was in I think it was uh, it was an HBO thing that was in Washington, and he's doing like all these kind of like you know not gross out jokes, but like just stuff where it's just kind of like ah that's funny because it's you know it's gnarly. And then he told one joke and it was like the crowd goes, Oh, like that. And he's like, Oh, that's the line. That's the line we're crossing. Oh, okay. That's the one after all this other stuff. Okay. He's like that proceeds to keep pushing the button afterwards. It's like, yeah, no, it's okay. Good. (laughs) You know, audience gets called out. They're like, Oh crap. Yeah, no. Okay. That's, that's what we signed up for tonight.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's gotta be, it's gotta be a really scary feeling to, to to bomb or or to freeze. You know, sometimes when we're doing a show or something, I might get. I might be thinking about something else for one split second. And then I get completely mm-hmm. lost in the thought of what the hell I was talking about. And I'm in real time trying to process everything. And it just, oh man, I, it gets tough, man. It gets tough for sure. You,
2: I, I, I used to do theater like high school, you know, early college stuff. Cause I, I enjoy theater quite a bit. I think to act is again it's the same thing. It's like comedy, like to be able to pull that off and, and do it on stage and be convincing and, and pull off your part. Impressive. And, but you have to like memorize lines and like yeah. you know some of the if you have like a lead role in like shakespeare or something like your brain has to be on a whole other level to 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 keep all your lines imagine playing hamlet and you're like every other scene you're in and you've got to talk all the time forget it dude like I, and like speaking the like the old, you know shakespearean language no way I, I i was doing like you know 5 10 minute plays where it's you know very short you know short act whatever and like a couple of them i had a pretty good number of lines There's a couple of times where it's like, Oh no, I forgot what my line is. And then you're trying to like improvise and and move on and just try to get the cue line out so that the, you know, who you're on stage with knows to like, okay, now we keep going Mm -hmm. and trying to find your way to that sometimes. Oh boy, that could be a tour because (laughs) if you're trying to like, you're like, okay, here's the point that I left off at. There's a thing to fill in. I just have to say this line so we can keep going and, you know sometimes it's a lot for me it was like physical gesturing or or you know or just like you know being pensive or some dumb thing that made no sense so it was just like i just need to get to my cue line and here it is (laughs) like like, like one (laughs) of those things and just like we got to keep the show moving yeah
1: um anyway like i said when it comes to chris rock i ultimately i I graded it a c which maybe i was a little bit hard on him it's maybe it was my expectations were just completely through the roof Mm -hmm. based on the oscars last year and plus it's Chris Rock, man, you know he's among the right. the greatest ever. So by his standards and what I've seen from him before, it was just uh, it was just alright and worth watching. I would definitely you know recommend that people watch it. It's not like I wouldn't call it skippable, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just to me it wasn't his greatest stuff. But anyway, let's uh, let's talk some Leslie Frazier now. Last week, so this is kind of old news because this was last week where the Bills announced that Leslie Frazier was not going to coach this year. Um, I found it curious at the time and still do now that it's pretty obvious that he is going he's not retiring. He's going to coach again, or at least he's probably going to coach again and did not specify that it was with Buffalo. So anyway, again, at this point, this is old news, but there are some developments over the last week. And by the way, one of them, Tim Graham over at the athletic said he spoke to a bunch of people at the combine in the sense that he got from talking to a lot of other people is that um he was burned out after an incredibly, and he used the term arduous season, that there might be some burnout when it comes to uh to Leslie Fraser. So he's not gonna coach this year, might come back afterwards. And I've been closely following, and I have my own opinions too, but I've been closely following the reaction from fans and mm-hmm. some media, whether you know it's mainstream media or you know, alternative media, whatever it may have. Um, but there's one thing, Joe. That really has bothered me, you know, and you can have an opinion, you know, there's no opinions are opinions, they're not right, okay. they're not wrong, they're what people feel. But I don't like lazy takes. Mm-hmm. And somebody who has opinions without doing any kind of research or, or background on what they are saying. And let me be a yeah. little more specific. And I'm not calling anyone out because it's not any one person. I've seen mm-hmm. several people have this take. When it comes to Leslie Frazier, the regular season defense has been great. Uh, the playoff defense has been okay in wins and has been horrific in their losses, like spectacularly bad. You know, mm-hmm. it's blown up. Three straight years when they've lost, the defense has been utterly miserable and terrible. So a take that I've heard a lot of, and I wrote down some notes because this is what I'm talking about, man. If you're going to say something, back your shit up. Um, People are blaming or not blaming Leslie Frazier for any playoff losses. And, and the take is, they, they, they've they just run into really good quarterbacks because the last three years, they've lost to Pat Mahomes twice and uh and now Joey Burrow this year. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it's a take that really bothers me, so I went and I looked it up, man. let me let, let me drop some numbers on you, and then I'll get a reaction from you here. Last year 20 or, or 2021, I should say, let's go back to the uh, the bills wild or overtime loss in the division around the Kansas City. Pat Mahomes against the Buffalo Bills. 552 yards of total offense for Kansas City, 378 passing yards, three touchdowns, also ran for 69 yards and a touchdown. Kansas City won eight for 13 on third downs, and Mahomes was only sacked twice. Okay, this was that 42-36 divisional round win. Yep. And again, the take is: well, they ran into really great quarterbacks in the playoffs. Okay. That's an unbelievably great game. Mm -hmm. The very next week. Okay. They played Cincinnati at home. Here's Pat Mahomes' numbers. Held to 275 yards through two interceptions, including the game losing pick in overtime. He was also sacked four times and he was held to just 19 yards on the ground at they 69 against the Bills a week before. He also fumbled. The Kansas City was only six or 12 on third downs. And again, they turned the ball over twice. Go back to this year the Buffalo Bills against Joe Burrow. Burrow. 242 yards passing. They, didn't, they ran the ball very effectively as well. Two mm-hmm. touchdowns, no picks, only sacked once. 412 yards of total offense for the Bengals. They were 6 of 10 on third downs. Okay, next week, Joey Burrow, after playing Buffalo and going to Kansas City, 270 passing yards, one touchdown. He threw two picks. He was sacked five times. 309 yards of total offense, which is more than 100 yards less than they had against Buffalo. And they were only six of 14 on third downs. So are you trying to tell me that the Cincinnati Bengals defense in 2021 was better than the Bills or that the Kansas City defense in 2022 was better than the Buffalo Bills all season long? Why did those teams have so much success against Mahomes and Burrow the week after Leslie Frazier's led defensive coordinated Bills defense failed so miserably? You know what I'm saying? That Those are the takes. That I hate. Go ahead. Sorry. I yeah, talked yeah. for a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: that's I, I think that's when like cocky Bill well, I don't know if you can be cocky in this situation. He'd be like, well, you know, the Bills softened them up, you know, the week before. So you know they, they were ready to lose the next week. That's, that's just how it is. The Bills did that to them. That's just how it nope. no, <laughs> that's not the case. It's not the case at all. I I, listen, I I listen, any of those games, you know, the 13 seconds game this past, you know, this past year in the playoffs all of them, the defense has had some major flaws, major flaws come up in those games specifically. We don't need to go over the, you know, the Kansas city game ever, ever again. I think we all know how that played out and how bad that, how that turned out. I mean, obviously the turnout was bad, but like how, how Kansas city was able to execute in that game late in that game was bonkers that they were able to do what they were able to do and like get downfield in two plays like nuts. That's, that's unheard of, and that should be like a borderline fireable offense. Ran to the Bills. Were, we're in a different spot at that point because they're on the rise, and you're like, well, you can't kill a guy for this. Like, the D was good all year, blah, blah, blah. Like, Kansas City's good, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. Cincinnati, like, I, 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 I don't even know what happened with this. I mean, obviously, they ran out of gas. The Bills were out of gas, you know, emotionally exhausted, the whole thing. The the offensive line was awful, all that stuff. But like the defense, anything—the defense is banged up. I I get it, but also the the execution and the setup of the defense was also bad. It's you know it was a it was a double whammy of the you know the team just not having it, and also the coaching staff not helping it out. And those are big spots to come up short in. Super. I mean, geez, the last thing you want to have in the playoffs is your coach not pulling the right strings and just being off because then you're hopeless because you're, cause you're going to miss, there's going to be assignments missed. There's, you know, other, other teams that are good with their offenses are going to expose the hell out of that and pick it apart, which, Hey, Cincinnati definitely did. Like they, they took advantage of everything there, but, um, but even Kansas city, like, you know, listen, if you're going to play, play your corners and your D backs, you know, eight, 10 yards off the ball, yeah. Boy, you can you can hot route everybody and throw them underneath and let them run like that doesn't need to be Tyreek Hill or or uh, or T Higgins or or whoever like it doesn't need to be any of those guys Jamar Chase doesn't have to be some super speed demon guy all these guys are fast like nobody's a, you know super slow bum out there like give a, give a guy enough space they're gonna take off
1: yeah man um, you know and by the way Joe I also didn't even bother to mention three years ago I talked about spectacular you know. Bad defenses in the playoffs the chiefs dominated the bills in the AFC championship game, and then they got absolutely mauled in the Super Bowl by the Tampa Bay front seven you know Kansas City's offensive line was depleted with injuries mm-hmm. and uh you know they got mauled so anyway so if you're, you're going to that to them again <laughs> for the if you're going to you know say stuff like that you no know, then why is the next week these teams struggling you know what I'm saying it's a butt mm-hmm. now you turn it around the other way. And Tim wrote about this, and a lot of fans feel the same way, and to an extent, I agree. It's not just Leslie Frazier. A lot of criticism for the Bills' playoff woes, because, again, this was one of the best defenses in the NFL during the regular season mm-hmm. the last three years. Mm-hmm. That's You can't even dispute that. It's right there in black and white, you know? So you could also say, well, Sean McDermott deserves a lot of credit, and God, as much as it pays me to bring this up over and over and over, I can't not bring it up. I go back to 13 seconds. I go back to the Bills being in a prevent defense, not once, but two straight plays. And I go back to the Bills calling a timeout. Sean McDermott calls timeout. If you, if Leslie Frazier is calling that defense and you don't like it, change it twice. Mm -hmm. Twice they call a timeout. That's on the head coach, man. Mm -hmm. Point being is Sean McDermott has had his hands on this defense a lot. It's not like Leslie Frazier was locking him out of the defensive coordinator meetings, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. the, in the film room and stuff like that. His fingerprints have been all over his defense as well, good and bad. Mm-hmm. And then another thing, which, again, Tim wrote about, a lot of media people have talked about, he was very, very respected and liked in that locker room. Leslie Frazier, I'm talking about, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? To a man, these guys love, and in some ways, he's kind of a father figure to a lot of these guys, I think Leslie Frazier was a good defensive coordinator who probably ran his course over six years with the Bills at, yeah. at this point. And related to this, and because this is kind of news too, Josh Reed from Channel 4 reported this early on Monday. Again, we're taping this Monday afternoon. Um, He's hearing from the combine that Sean McDermott plans on calling the plays. That's very likely, at least, that Sean McDermott is just going to take over play calling they're not going to hire an outside guy for defensive coordinator. So if you think McDermott was good or bad or on what kind of influence he had on this defense, Joe, you're going to find out because he's going to be probably taking over the play calling this year.
2: Yeah, I, listen, I, you know, sometimes with coaches, you know, the the, the message can get stale. Mm-hmm. I think that that happens a lot of times. And football, I mean, you got a thousand coaches on the sideline. You know, the position coaches. You know, the, the everybody. There's a there's a coach for everything in football. Um, and sometimes the general message can get tired. Um, it's, I mean, we, we don't really know what goes on in the room at all. Right. Like we don't have a really good idea on that. It's just to have, you know, to have a team that plays that well during, during the regular season, it's like, I don't, is I don't, it doesn't, it didn't seem like the message was getting stale there. Obviously the coming up short in the playoffs is a big problem. Like that's, that's a huge problem. Um, I mean, the head coach is the head coach is the guy in charge. And I think Tim got to this point. You know, the the head coach can pull the strings if he wants to, no matter who the coordinators are. Like, if they say, no, I got this, then okay, that's you. Leslie Frazier doesn't have to leave for that to be the case. I mean, he could just be a kind of a figurehead DC and, you know, Mm -hmm. just be the guy to help coordinate. (laughs) Of course, he's a defensive coordinator, (laughs) but he can be the guy that just manages what McDermott wants on the
1: defense, which. It's probably exactly what's going on, but um, it wouldn't be the first time we've seen it in Buffalo either. Dennis Thurman was basically that guy for Rex Ryan, you know. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's
2: tough, but I, for me, this is
1: McDermott. If
2: if this turns out to be the case, this is him wearing it, saying like, okay, if it comes up wrong, that's me. Like that's on me. Like he. But it also might point to maybe there are things that Fraser was doing that he doesn't agree that he didn't agree with. And he's just like, well, I trust you less. So, you know, we're going to do it the way you want to do it. But I find that hard to believe as well, because I know McDermott's very much a not necessarily a control freak, but like, you know, kind of on that level where he wants to have a handle on everything. I mean, Lord knows he spends enough time studying everything. But um, but yeah, I mean, if if this turns out to be the thing and like, you know, say he hires somebody to just kind of be the manager of the defense while he takes care of everything it's going to be really interesting if things come up short again, because I don't know where you can hide McDermott from that point. Cause I know nobody wants to get rid of him right now, but I mean, he's after 13 seconds, it started turning, turning, turning some heads and saying like, I don't know, man, this might be an issue because this guy came up, you know, didn't get the kickoff coordinated. Didn't get any, you know, all this stuff fell apart in that game. And, you know, this, this past year, I mean, whatever it's, it is what it is, but, um, but their, their task is a lot harder now. And you know, from the business side and on, on the field, it's going to get a lot tougher. So if he wants to
0: wear it, he's going to wear it hard. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: All right, I am back here with Joe And You know, when it comes to the Bill's defense right now, and I don't want to speculate on what they may or may not do. In fact, I probably should have said this on the outset of this program, too. Next Tuesday, Joe's not going to be on. We got kind of like a scheduling conflict, so it'll be two weeks. But here's the point. Two weeks from now, the, we're going to know what direction this Bills team is headed in in terms of personnel because free agency starts next week, and we'll have an idea for sure when you and I get together next. But right now, I look at this team, Joe, and on this defense, if, whether it's Sean McDermott or someone else ends up taking over the play calling duties, it might be a defense that might be in a little bit of trouble because they might lose Tremaine Edmonds. I think they're going to lose Jordan Boyer more on him in a second. Um, you know, some guys, Vaughn Miller, who knows when he'll be 100%. Who knows if Trey White's ever going to be back to what he was before he tore that ACL. We certainly hope that's mm-hmm. the case. Micah Hyde's coming back, but he missed a, almost a full year last year. Who knows if DeMar Hamlin's going to play again? Hopefully he does, but, you know, his health comes first. Anyway, my point is there's some... As of right now, now, again, maybe two weeks from now, we see they bring back admins or they do some things and we're like, wow, this defense might even be better next year. But as of right now and without their defensive coordinator for the last six years, as of right now, I I feel like there's some potential to certainly be concerned about this defense and maybe even this roster going forward. In a conference, Joe, that I think is really getting better because there's some mid-level teams like the Jaguars and the Jets that I expect big jumps from, you know? So... A little bit concerned right now about this roster.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, we've been kind of. Well, we. I don't think you and I have tiptoed around this at all. Like this is this is gonna this was gonna get a lot harder for for everybody because of, yep. because of the money, um, and you know because you know people are gonna are gonna end up leaving because the money ain't there or you know how many guys can you conceivably believe are gonna take team friendly deals or you know how many guys want to rearrange their contract all this other stuff. Um it's the the task is so much harder, and then of course, like it's it's like what happened. I mean, I'm not going to compare the NHL to the NFL, but it's kind of like what happened in the NHL the Easter Conference. Everybody loaded up because mm-hmm. they're like, okay, well, all the beastly teams are out here. We got to everybody's got to got to get their got to get their chunks in there and and make sure that they can compete with them. Same thing in the AFC, like you know, Kansas City. Everybody tried to keep up with Kansas City. Then you know, Buffalo comes up and they're you know running teams off the field offensively and they're doing all this other stuff. And you're like, okay we got to keep up with them. Then, you know, Cincinnati gets burrow, they start taking off and it's like, okay, well, we got to keep up with that, you know? And, and, you know, you know, Miami's kind of sort of knocking on the door. If, you know, if things go right for them and, you know, San Diego is, you know, get, get a defensive minded guy in there to fix their defense. And then they're going to be a threat to people. Like that's, that's where we're at. I mean, Tennessee, I mean, geez, uh, they they kind of wasted it a
1: little bit with Derrick Henry's. I think they're ready to tank now. Yeah, (laughs) They're they're going the wrong
2: way quickly. I mean, the fact that they they kept it going and made the playoffs and won their division a couple of times with Ryan Tannehill is unbelievable, honestly. I mean, and that says everything about Derrick Henry, that the respect for his game made it so that Tannehill could actually throw for yards and get touchdowns and all that stuff. But, um, but, I mean, it's... It's gonna be so much more difficult. And it, it, the the margin of error is gonna be so much slimmer, you know, because some of these I mean, geez, the division games are gonna be nasty. I mean, Miami games are gonna be rough. Jets, I mean, it's the Jets, I know, but like but Jets are Jets are coached
1: pretty damn well. I know? love the Jets roster. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be really high on them this offseason, especially if they acquire the guy that you and I I think might mm-hmm. equally despise and loathe and hate. Yeah that guy but um but i mean even new england everybody keeps waiting for the
2: you know for them to fall off the face of the earth they never do they're just there they keep making keep making the playoffs keep doing you know stuff and it's like all right you know at some point belichick's gonna want to hang it up but no he's he's not (laughs) this is his life he's gonna keep doing it and it's it's hard imagine if denver figures this stuff out too you know i mean if russell wilson was just kind of you know in outer space last year and everything goes bad like they've got to, they, they've they changed things around with their coaching staff. Maybe that's going to be a different setup for them. So it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. And geez, look at the games they are going to have on the road this year, like at Cincy, at Kansas city. Like it's a hard game. I mean, hard games. Like those are
1: going to be primetime games and not easy. I Joe, I'm telling you now, man. So I, I lived for five years in Florida and during my time there, I made a lot of, friends obviously none from buffalo and florida as everyone knows is a transplant state it's a melting pot for people who live all over the country so i made friends with people who are fans of a bunch of different teams and a couple years ago it was the bills were on the come up and it was like man you guys got a great quarterback you guys are fun to watch your guys are good and it's still like that to an extent but starting to get a little bit of a sense from talking to friends and maybe some other people as well that There's people out there who are starting to think that the Buffalo Bills, me, and I hate saying this, and I know I'm going to piss some people off, but you and I keep shit real here, man. Maybe there's a lot of people out there thinking the Bills are overrated. No, right now. And if they don't take that next step this year, and if Josh Allen, as good as he is, if he doesn't start to play a little more consistent, if Ken Dorsey doesn't take that next step as OC, if Sean McDermott, If him calling Blaze is too much for him to, you know, he bites off more than he could chew, being the CEO of the entire program as well. The schedule, which you just mentioned, man, a lot of good teams in the AFC, I'm telling you. The beastly conference, like you said. Um, This team could fall to the middle of the pack, and you could hear, it won't be whispers, it will be roars that the Buffalo Bills got a couple nice, really nice players, but Mm -hmm. they're overrated. They got a lot to prove this year, and I know a lot of people don't like to hear that shit, but it's facts. This has been two straight years where a team was supposed to go to the Super Bowl, be right there, and didn't even make the AFC Championship game, let alone win it. So Mm -hmm. they got a lot to prove, man, whether people want to hear that shit or not.
2: Yeah, it's – I mean, that's – man, I I hate that I have to keep going back to saying – the the window to get to make sure you could get it done was the past two three years because that that was the easier quote unquote easier path of that because you knew teams were going to hulk up you knew teams were going to want to try to keep up with the Joneses and or the you know the Mahomeses <laughs> that's a better way to put it. try to keep, teams try to keep up with the Mahomeses and and the Allens and the the Burrows and all that stuff you just knew it was going to happen and you know when you got the the cap that's manageable. Make magic happen. They tried. They came. You know, mm-hmm. listen. They came about as close as you can get, but that don't count for anything. That's 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 the part that's the killer. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, we got to the AFC title game. Oh, hey, uh, I was we were close that one year. Like, it doesn't it doesn't matter? Nobody remembers that. Nobody nobody cares. Nobody remembers. Right. I mean, people here remember they people here care, but it's you know on the national scale. Now, so they, it went from being Kansas City Buffalo being the the big rivalry to. Who the hell are the Bills? Uh, I don't know. Whatever, get Cincinnati in there. The like Kansas City Cincinnati's our thing now.
1: Yeah, when you some, I think I've overrated like turning to hockey, like Toronto Maple Leafs. They run over teams in the regular season, losing the first round every year to playoffs. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Now the Bills win a playoff game. So I'm not gonna say they lose in the first round every year, but right. kind of reminds me of that. You look at the Toronto Maple Leafs roster. You're like, holy shit, man! Look at all this goddamn talent all over the place. Why are mm-hmm. they not in the Stanley Cup every year or, or on the verge of it? And they right. I kind of feel like the Bills are in that same boat. Anyway, one of the teams that you did mention were the Tennessee Titans, and I feel like this is a team that's getting ready to to play for Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback, the great one in 2024. They released Bud Dupree on Monday, and rumors are floating all over the place that Derrick Henry is on the trading block. It is worth noting that um, NFL insider Mike Silver said that he does not expect the Bills to pursue that trade. Didn't say that they were out on him. He said he didn't expect it. Um, I've heard a couple of rumors and it was fueled. If you're watching this on the YouTube side, I just put up a a picture of Vaughn Miller working out with Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry's so big that he makes Vaughn Miller look small, which is just, uh, it's absolutely crazy to me. But anyway, man, there are, there's traction picking up right now. I do believe Derrick Henry could get traded because I don't, he's on a team that's going nowhere. You know, yeah. so why not get something from now? He's 29 years old. He's got mm-hmm. one more year left on his deal. It is worth noting that the team that trades for Derrick Henry, they would get him for $11 million against the cap this year. Uh quickly, before we move on to a couple other things and, and some hockey talk here, do you think it would be wise for the Bills to pursue a trade for Derrick Henry on one? In one sense, it's like, does he really fit this type of offense? And another, it's like, you're going to stop Josh Allen's arm and Derrick Henry's legs. That could be, uh, that could be fun, man. I don't know what are what what are your quick thoughts when it comes to potentially Derek to Henry being a a Buffalo Bill? How are you affording him? <laughs> That's the well, first question. How are you affording him? They, uh,
2: you're See, right. I'm the dream crusher because yeah, I got no, be, I got to be the you're dick right. You're, you like mean,
1: you have no money to spend. You you are right. I will say. They can afford him. They can make a lot of moves to free up some cap room, and let's just say they lose Tremaine Edmonds, and they're not because they're not going to pay him $16, 17 million a year. Right. And they decide to draft a rookie to, for, as a replacement or a you know a low cost stopgap guy. They let Poyer walk. They restructure some guys. They can certainly find the money for Derrick Henry. I'm just saying they they <sighs> can. The I just don't. It does so it feel wild. like it. Does it feel like a great fit though? Because no, because you're going to change your, your you're complete, exactly. You're not going to get a guy like Derrick Henry and still throw the ball 35 times a game. That's what right. I'm saying.
2: Like, are you going to be able to bring him in and say like, ah, you're going to carry it like 12 times a game. Uh, Just make sure to rattle off 15 yards each carry, please. Thanks. Yeah. No, no, uh, you're just not. I agree with, but, you, I mean, man. with the O line, like it, I'm sure they would love it. Yeah. You know, o line guys love, love taking care of the run. Like they, they want to get out and shove guys and lead the way down the field. But man, I, I mean, it, I mean, listen, I'll make that trade in Madden, like, and, you know, as soon as we're done recording this, like, that's, that's awesome. That'd be fun as hell. But I mean, you're talking about doing like pulling a Von Miller on your offense, you know, where it's like, okay, throw all your chips behind one guy and make sure, you know, we'll take care of business there. Like it's a cool idea. I mean, listen, uh, add as many stars as possible because that's, that's the fun way to, to play football get all the names, get everybody. But I just I, there's no way you can convince me that Derrick Henry would be like, yeah, Buffalo's the play, unless he sucks it up completely, says no, I'll accept taking a lighter load to to, to try to win a title. Which I don't know I don't know if he's at that point in his career yet. I don't think he is because he wants to rush for two thousand yards a year. He wants to run people over all the time. And
1: well, I mean, maybe the Bills like, like, would completely change with him.
2: Um, that's I don't know what team he could do that with though. Like that's I don't know what team is set up. Where they run well, I do know one team that likes to run the ball occasionally. <laughs> they play in Michigan. Um, and, but, I mean, that's not happening. but, um, but it's, it's something where the, I mean, the, the league is so different. I mean, Derek Henry's a freak because he made it cool to run, you know, in this era, because you know, everybody, everybody's base defense now is nickel, essentially. Um, so if you get a guy like that that can run and run people over. You add another defensive back
1: out there instead of a linebacker to try to tackle him. Good luck. Like, you're just not going to do it. I, I agree with everything you say. I don't think it's likely as well. I'm not going to lie, though. It is intriguing. It would definitely change the complexion of the offense for sure. But mm. I think of the Titans, not last year, but the two years before that, we've been one of the better teams in the AFC record wise, in mm. part because you know, Ryan Tannehill just mid to me. But when you got a running back right. like Henry, you got to, re- you have to respect the run. You have to, you got no choice unless you want this guy to run for a buck 80 on you every week. And then I look at the bills roster and I'm like, all right, well, you have Derrick Henry on each team. The bills roster is way better than the Tennessee Titans have been time in recent years. It would That's intrigue that. the shit out of me, man. But I know where you, I know where you want to go with this. And, and I, and I agree with you. I do agree with you. I I just don't see it, man. I want to see it though. I want to find it. I want to find a way that I could, that I could see it being successful. It would just, I think I feel like it would change too much. Are you going to make Josh Allen, Ryan Tannehill? You're going to run the ball a hell of a lot more. If you got Derrick Henry, I can promise you that.
2: This is, this is the thing that made me think of this as, okay, you go out and get Henry, you can't get your the number two receiver you're looking for. You can't go like you're basically saying, All right, Gabe Davis, make sure you put some extra stick on your hands. You know, like you're telling <laughs> your, all your other receivers, like, don't be bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. Cause, you, you're, Cause you're gonna have to run with bare bones behind digs. And sure. then all the pressures on digs because now he's gotta get it. And then they got to throw to him, which yeah. you know, when you got to throw, he's gonna be doubled. Every game he's going to be doubled. Like you can't get away with that. Like he gets doubled some now. Mm-hmm. but you can't get away with that all game long because you know Knox will get it. You know Davis will catch some balls and beat you deep. but like, there's enough guys there that can that can burn you on the on the rest of the team. But if you take away the ability to maybe get somebody at that level, I mean, I mean, you know, maybe Bean has to like break his his habit of drafting defensive tackles. In the first round of the draft, for once, like maybe, maybe that's what he's got to do and finally draft a frigging receiver. But I just, it's very hard. It's very hard. For, I mean, listen, it's this is this is the great kind of off season like bullshit talk. That's great, where it's like, oh yeah, 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 Henry on the Bills, ooh, okay. Like it's a great, like you can start there and just be like, yeah, it'd be awesome. That's cool. It's great. But then it's like, okay, now figure out how you do it. Then right. it's like, ooh. I don't know how you do it. Like, cause you have to make sacrifices in a
1: lot of other areas to do it,
2: the especially fun, on the offensive side.
1: Absolutely. the fun part Joe though, is that we're not talking about this in January. We're talking about this beginning of March. So if something does go down, we're going to find out soon. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I will say this though. There's one little nugget of information with, with the bills. They have been linked to some big game running backs over the last two years. Definitely Alvin Kamara, definitely mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey, I know they've had interest in Saquon Barkley, who, by the way, might end up being a free agent if the Giants don't sign Daniel Jones before you're listening to this show and they end up tagging him. Saquon would hit the market potentially. Anyway, so that's why I wouldn't completely write off Derrick Henry because I know the Bills have been interested in a game-changing running back. But at the end of the day, and I know a lot of people don't like to think this way, but this is the way it is in the NFL with the Bills. I like James Cook a lot. They drafted him last year. Same thing with Khalil Shakir. He came on there at the end of the year. Brandon Bean's philosophy is we're going to draft these guys, we're going to develop them, and we're going to play them. They are cheap labor, you know, where you could go out and you could go get a veteran or two. On the offensive line, I'm talking about is where I do think ultimately they should spend most of their money. But my point is you draft and you develop these guys. So You draft James Cook in the second round. You let him play more and more as the season goes on. You're probably going to let Singletary walk. And then you're going to go trade for an eleven million dollar running back for for one year, you know what does that say about James Cook, a guy you drafted in the second round last year? If you were to do something like that, right? Yeah, I, I mean, uh the
2: the running back position for this team is so, is so weird. Like, I can't even call it fascinating because it's just kind of like, you know, you know, they stuck by Singletary for you know for all these years, but then it was always drafting somebody to be right behind him to be like, well, we got to get somebody that, you know, can kind of cover for him because he drops the ball sometimes or, you know, he's not cutting it for X, Y, Z reasons. And it was, you know, it was always tr- trying to change it up. Like with Zach Moss, it was like, well, we need a heavy guy to get in behind him because, you know, that's, you know, that that that's a different, that's something he does different. than Zach Moss couldn't cut it. You know, now it's, now with Cook, it's like, well, he's a fast guy. He can catch the ball out of the backfield and do all this stuff. And then it's like, yeah, we don't really use him that much. Like, okay it's it's like you come up with a good idea and then you don't put it to use you know or you mm-hmm. don't trust it or you know whatever you know or what have you i just have a i have such a problem with with tinkering with parts of the offense and this is where mcdermott gets is really guilty of doing this because he always talks about it we got to run more we got to be a better running team blah, blah, blah 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 dude you have like one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl <laughs> like i don't know outfit him like instead of That's just trying true. to like you know jam the ball with you know jam the run in the ball all over the place and like you know listen I know the offense had success because they ran a little bit better this year but you know man like you have a gifted quarterback dude give him give him weapons all over the field you know like get a get a good running back don't want to run them 20 times a game because you're going to take the ball out of Allen's hand which you still kind of I mean I'll oh, see I'm talking myself out of it now like <laughs> I do it all the time. No, yeah, Cause like, cause you do need to like rely less on Allen. but I don't like, but I just, I don't know, man, like you need shit. Like you can I throw just throw it all out myself the- in the wheels here. Like this is <laughs> cause I keep I think thinking back to like that number where it was like, he was responsible for like 80, you know, 88% of the offense. And I'm like, that's a, that's a whole fucking lot of time. He's got the ball and it's like, he needs to have the ball in the hands. And I'm like,
1: I just feel like Derrick Henry's like maybe the one of the very few guys you could throw the rule book out the window or you could throw logic out the window. If you get a chance to get a guy who can make that much of an impact and change your offense that you almost have to do it.
2: I just, uh, I I would be really interested to see how you disguise that you're going to run them with this offense. That's, that's the thing that gets me. I, I, yeah. I know they love having tight ends all over the place, but like you come rolling out with a two tight end set, you know, and Henry's in the backfield and you got two receivers am I buying a play action? Maybe the first few times. Yeah. But, but I mean, people are going to be ready for it. Like, that's the thing. And you know, I mean, he's used to having the stack boxes and everything. Like he gets it, but like, I don't know how else you hide, hide, try to disguise the way you're going to try to run them with this team. Because if, if it becomes very apparent, it's, it gets easier to stop. Now it's not easy to stop him, but I mean,
1: I know what you're saying. You're kind yeah. of
2: sacrificing some of the, some of the, the 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 mystery that they can that they can run with a lot of their plays, which I mean they're they're good with that. Like they're very good at disguising things and, and changing things up and whatever. But I don't know, man. He, he's just such a different runner. Like I, I don't know, I don't know, how, I don't know how you would handle it.
1: <laughs> it's a, it is it is a uh, polarizing topic for sure. Look, bottom line, at the end of the day, and we'll find out again soon enough. By the time we talk again, we'll know. I feel like offensively they're going to add a guard. Maybe you sign a receiver who's a little long in the tooth, but still might have a little bit something left. They've done that in recent years. It's kind of worked out. Mixed bag of results. And if I think they make one surprise move, and I'm clueless what they're going to do on defense, I, re- mm. I really don't know. But offense, I think if they're going to spend some money and make one move that might surprise people a little bit right now, I can see them spending good money and going to get a really good second tight end. So they can run those two tight end sets. You know, they were hoping they were going to get from O.J. Howard last year. which just didn't give it to him. I know they've had interesting Gronk over the last couple of years, just different levels, but I could see them going out and trying to get a, a, a difference-making tight end that you could play with Dawson Knox. It gives you a whole other look on offense that's hard to defend. So I think that could be something that we might be talking about a few weeks from now as a surprise. And I certainly hope so, because if they are, I'm going to bring this clip up and <laughs> shove it in your face. <laughs> for sure. One more quick thing, then we're going to finish up with some Sabre stuff. And uh, I got my three questions for you this week. I have a, I guess it's a take, um, and I'm not saying when Rachel Bush out specifically, okay? But this is an example of something that I, that I, I just I can't stand. And she put out a couple of tweets late last week and then deleted them almost immediately. Of course, a couple of Bills fans were, <laughs> a couple of Bills fans like were tweeting some nasty shit to Jordan Poyer, who's likely on his way out, basically kicking him, you know, in the ass. Um, you know, out the door, which is ridiculous. I hate that. Yes. True. Agreed. Um, I, I want to point this out though. I'm not specifically singling out her because a lot of people do this in the media. I see mm-hmm. it a lot. Joe from Queens points it out to me privately all the time. I want to say this two, 3%, maybe of people let's assume Jordan Poyer is gone. Let's just make that assumption right now. Oh, you see maybe, Safe assumption. Sure. Fairly safe, at least. Yeah. And he leaves. 5% of Bill's fans are going to be like, he's old. He's washed. Fuck him. You know, we don't need him. He gets hurt. You know, his his big mouth wife, blah, 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 blah. All this stuff, right? They kick him on the way out. That's true. Guess what, Joe? 95 or more percent of fans are, thank you, Jordan, for six great years. We Mm -hmm. wish you the best of luck wherever you go, unless it's Miami. Ha, ha, ha. You know what I'm saying? Right. Mm They've treated him great. They say nothing but nice things about him, and they wish them well. That's 95 to 97% of fans. Mm-hmm. Two or 3% are complete fucking idiots. And But the narrative is when you tweet about stuff like that, it makes it sound like you're talking about a hell of a lot more than any some minuscule percentage. Like I said, Rachel did it last week when it came to Jordan Poyer. I see it a lot with sports media stuff where a couple strays might say some dumb shit, but then the narrative makes it sound like, you know, you're uh, you're talking about a lot of people when you're really not. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. again, it's, I don't really have any purpose of this take. It's just something that really doesn't sit well with me. And also, if you're gonna make tweets, I, I don't like deleted tweets. I literally was going to clap back at her. And for the record, I want to put this out there, and I don't give a shit how many people she's blocked or don't like her. I'm I count my co-hosts here among them. I get it. (laughs) I know. I understand. I get it. But to me, just like say with Harrington, when it comes to the hockey side and stuff, I have good relationships with people specifically. Rachel Bush has never been nothing but nice to me. And I've had conversations with her. So that's just me specifically. So I'm just throwing that out there. That said, I was going to go at her a little bit because I did not agree with what she said. And Mm -hmm. she deleted the shit. I hate that shit. Point being folks. Don't represent, you know, a tiny two, three percent of of a fan base and make it sound like it's more than that. That's yeah. what I guess what I'm bitching at.
2: Yeah. No, I listen, I'm I'm with you there. It is it is really funny that Rachel Bush blocked me, by the way. I've never literally never interacted with her Inter- in my life. <laughs> I hear that a lot. I no interest in in interacting with her for a thousand different
1: reasons. But like, I mean, geez, I it's 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 funny. It's really funny. But I it's ironically yeah. she follows me I, I have a feeling it's gonna come to an end really soon No, but
2: yeah, i just say that'll be the tip off as soon as she unfollows you it's like well he's gone yep, see okay. you later but yep. yeah it, it the, when it's media kicking a guy on the way out the door like that bugs me a lot because it's like dude like you worked with him like you, you know yeah. like whatever like unless he was uh, you know unpurposely you know purposely being a dick to you then like Right. Like if it was, if it was, you know, mean on a personal level, then like, okay. But if you're just going to be like, ah, he was never any good anyways, eh, whatever, get him out of town. Like that kind of stuff bugs the hell out of me. And it's like, it, it's a big trait of Boston media because anytime a guy would get for a long time, I don't think, it, I don't necessarily think it's that, that way now, but like anytime some guy played for the Red Sox or the, or Patriots, well, I don't really do really the Patriots. Patriots are a little different. Like Red Sox, Celtics, Bruins, like Bruins back in the day, not now some guy would be like give you a lot of great years play great and then they leave as a free agent whatever or get traded what have you and they'd be like yeah never any good this guy was a stiff blah 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 and it's like what the hell man like what are you talking you, talk, you <laughs> talk to him every day and you're gonna like dog him on like online like stupid it's just it's so stupid and it's unnecessary
1: All right, it's been long enough. I like to give you when we when I have you on the show, I try to give you a break from talking too much hockey because obviously you and Lance do maintenance day podcast every week, and you're talking about hockey. And then, of course, you know your own um, Substack, Nordhockey.substack.com. You're writing about hockey. You're recapping every game. Mm-hmm. You're at practice every day. You're constantly writing stories. You're talking hockey, writing hockey. So I at least like to give you some kind of break from talking hockey on the show, but. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a big week. I feel like I've been saying that every week now for the Sabres. And again, I got a point to sell, folks, because you're listening on Tuesday or you might be watching this video really late after the game on Monday. A four-game week for the Sabres. Monday, well, after we tape this on um, the bill, or the, the bills. I do that once a week, by the way. The <laughs> Sabres are, are playing at home against Edmonton Tuesday night. A big, big, big game. Mm-hmm. In Long Island, the New York Islanders on Long Island, on Long Island,
2: that by everybody down there,
1: probably. And you're also right. (laughs) Thursday at home against Dallas, Saturday at home against the New York Rangers. Again, four games, another big week uh, for the Sabres. Again, we're taping this Monday. So Connor McDavid has already played on the ice when you're watching or listening. But I got to ask because the guy is such a great fucking player, man. I love watching Connor McDavid play. He's one of the few guys in sports, probably that quite frankly, if I get a chance to watch them on TV, they alone are worth watching whether the team and they are good, but even if the team's not good, they're just so exciting that I got to watch him play, you know, yeah. got to watch him play. I know what he's like on the ice. You ain't got to tell me about that, but there was a media, you know, the, the media met with him today. What were some mm-hmm. of your off ice uh, impressions from, I'm, I'm not sure how long he spoke for today on monday but uh i don't know what's your takeaway on him as a person from what you hear what what you see
2: yeah when it comes to answering our questions and being on the record and all that stuff he's he's as stern serious as it gets because he is i mean listen he is a guy that is just a an impossibly tough competitor i I mean he wants to win every guy wants to win but like not a lot you won't like outwardly see it from a lot of guys or hear it in their voice. Sometimes McDavid, it's very apparent on his face and how he talks about things. And, you know, you get going, you know, asking him about, you know, the schedule coming up or recent games or whatever. And he just, the like the fires there. Like I, 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 he's been the captain of the team for, for a while now, but like, I don't know how exactly like what kind of leader he is, because I could see him being a guy where he just speaks up, tears something apart and then you're like oh crap connor's 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 fired up we got we got to go to we got to go to bat for him let's let's do this um and it's you know edmonton's a weird situation it's been you know ever since before he was there and since he got there it's always been weird uh kind of sabers west a little bit uh with how things have have gone there but um or at least i guess the sabers started imitating the oilers and then carried it on a little bit too long but um but uh, it, when it's it, when the the cameras turn off and the you know the or, you know the recorders are gone, um, I stopped him for for a quick second after the scrum today and asked him if he got to see any of his uh, his, his folks from Erie, because uh, he used to play for the Erie Otters in the OHL, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know Erie's right down the road essentially like ninety minutes away, and uh, like the whole demeanor changed. Like he goes from being like locked in media guy, like zeroed in, like I you know dead serious to be in light and being like, oh yeah, yeah. I got to see him, you know, hang out, got to see him a little bit. Like it was great, blah, blah, blah. And just, just kind of being casual, just having a casual conversation with the greatest player in the NHL, you know, but it's like, you know, there, I I, now I do have a sliver of history there. I, uh, for NHL.com years ago, uh, I wrote a story about Andre Burakovsky because he was, he was an eerie otter. He was, you know, he was a caps prospect. Uh, he's now won the Stanley cup a couple of times. I think now once, twice, I don't know. Um, but he, uh, but he was a teammate of Connor McDavid's when McDavid was like 15 or 16. And when I went out to Erie to go interview him, you know, talk to him, to Chris Knobloch, who was coaching the otters at the time, I you know McDavid's there and it's like a year or two before he's going to be drafted. And like, everybody's already talking about him. Everybody knew he was going to be the next big one. He's the next Crosby, all that stuff. And I was like, I was like, well, I'm already here. I was like, can I talk to can I talk to Connor? Uh, was, I, I think it was uh, Aaron Cooney was their head of PR there. Uh and I was like, Any any shot of talking to Connor? I was like, Yeah, yeah, I'll just bring him out. And the nicest kid, just like the, it's the nicest guy, nicest kid, you know, smiling happy. I mean, he's 16. How do you not how do you not hate life? It's you know, 16. Like you're playing hockey, it's great. You're hanging out with your buddies all day, you know, all day, every day. It's great. Um, but he was just such such a, such a super nice guy. And then that, you know, the whole lead up to the draft and everything and Um, you know, going, you know, at the draft, all that stuff leading up to it. It was just, it wears you down. And like, you know, listen, we would always get stuck asking him, like asking Connor about Jack and Jack about Connor. And those guys couldn't stand talking about each other. Like it's just the last thing they wanted to answer about was, was, does he know
1: how close he came to becoming a Buffalo saber? Right. Well, it's that also like
2: the, the, I mean, the unfair comparison of being like, well, these guys are kind of on the same level. And it was like, even back then, it was like, we're saying that. I don't know who's believing it because McD, we, I mean, geez, we saw McDavid play here with the Otters one time, uh, that, that season before the draft. Played it, you know, at, uh, first Niagara Center at that point. It wasn't Key Bank Center yet, I don't think. Um, but like, you know, people turned out because they wanted to watch and they wanted to see how good this kid was. And Jesus, it was like an exhibition for him. It was a regular season game, but like, this dude was playing power play. He was playing penalty kill. He was scoring in every situation, just lighting it up. Just incredible. I, an unbelievable talent. Like, I got to meet Thurman Thomas that night. He came out to go see Connor yeah, McDavid. I mean, Thurman's a, Thurman's a hockey fan. He loves it. But he was. He's, I asked him. I go, "What are you doing here?" And he's, he's like, "Man, I got to see this kid. Everybody's talking about him." Like, he's like, he's like, plus if he ends up here, I want to say I was there first. I was like, "Hey, that's right, fair, yeah. man. Like, that's fair." Um, but he's just he's he's a regular dude. It's just you only get to see a little bit of a guy, you know, through interviews and, uh, you know, sure. through the words, the, you know, stuff that we write, and whatever it's, you know, it's the, when everything goes off and you get to chat with a guy, you find out more kind of what they're like. Some guys, you know, they don't want to do the chit chat. Other guys really happy to talk. And Connor, like Connor's not excited to hang around the room that long. Like let's, let's be real. But like, you know, some guys, you can just ask him about something, you know, like, you know, Hey, see any, you know, seeing the eerie people, you know coming to town or whatever and just it just drops the uh it drops the curtain a little bit to say yeah no hey it's been great it's fun it's it's awesome like got this you know asking Sidney crosby about it. his sister was playing goalie at like shattuck st mary's and i was like hey how's your, you know how's your sister doing? like oh yeah it's great like i can't wait to see her she's gonna be playing college. like this is years ago like she's playing college i can't wait to go watch her games and i'm like that's pretty awesome man pretty pretty cool big brother right there to be <laughs> just you know show up for her games like whenever you know he was able to like that's Pretty awesome, but it's, it's the stuff you get to see, like we're the normal human human side of things.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. And I'll tell you, just kind of like a like with LeBron James. I I respect LeBron in part because of the expectations he had at such a young age, the pedestal mm-hmm. that he was put on at such a young age. And Connor McDavid, in, in that regard, is not really that different. And then on top of it, Edmonton wins a lottery, and you're going. To, you know, it's one thing maybe if you go to Arizona or something like that, the pressure won't be so great. But you're going to a, an organization. And now you're going to have to live up to Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. You know what I mean? The greatest mm-hmm. to ever play hockey. Yep. And you're going to that same organization. The next Gretzky. You know, the yep. just the pressure and the way he's played is just uh, it's a joy to watch. You know, speaking of a joy to watch, on Saturday, it's all news now, the game. But um, that Sabres game Saturday against Tampa, man, that was, uh, that was fun to watch on TV. I watched it on TV. It was a sold-out crowd. You could hear it. It was loud. Pretty intense. These teams don't like each other, nope. which makes these games more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just a—it was a, a lot of fun to watch. My my wife and my son, who rarely watch games, they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. They'll sit down and watch the games. We spent two and a half hours on Saturday afternoon watching the Sabers play in March. In March, yeah. Joe, a yeah. meaningful game in March. Man, every year, <laughs> after year, I say, when the hell can we watch meaningful hockey in March? Yeah, it's here. Um, I want to ask you about the new guys? One of them's debuting tonight, um, or Monday yes. night, I should say. Jordan Greenway, and then um, also Riley Stillman. Who look, <laughs> I got a lot of respect for the guy. I'm just, yeah. I'm gonna say that it was tough to watch that fight, mm-hmm. the end. Um, really mm-hmm. tough to watch, but yeah, you get a sense that even though he got, let's just face it, he got the shit beat out of him in that fight. Mm-hmm. The sense that that went a long way towards getting respect from the obviously the fans in the stands but also maybe as teammates in the locker room and stuff like that too
2: yeah uh that i mean guys that do that stuff are instantly respected in the room like mm-hmm. any, any this goes back decades anybody who does that kind of work on the ice that that will that will kind of like take the take those punches literally uh and step up for their team they get all the respect in the world like at you know, look at Rob Ray here. I mean, any of his teammates from the well, – almost all of his teammates from the past are going to be like, dude, Razor. Razor took care of business because, you, sure. know, you know, there was a lot of guys in Buffalo when he was there that were not that kind of player. You know, just, I mean, look through – you know, McGillney wasn't going to fight people. LaFontaine wasn't going to fight people. Uh, mm-hmm. Phil Housley wasn't going to fight anybody. Like, you know, all these guys were – it was like the talent was there. They Those guys took care of it. But Rob Ray hit people. You know, fought you know fought the other team's tough guys and you know and took care of business that way. It, it was obviously it was a different game back then, but uh, the guys that do that now, like it's so rare because you know you know, it, you know referees want to break it up before anything gets you know anything happens. They want to try to prevent anything you know bad happening. I get it. People hate it, but like, but I get it. Um, but yeah, huge respect for him. And I he might have got crossed up because I don't know if that he knew Jano was a was a lefty uh lefty puncher because the, the the punch he took on the butt i think it was like a left like a left hook right on the right on the chin put him down and like I, that was tough to watch i mean stillman was like down on the ice and the uh, linesman was immediately calling to the bench to bring the trainer out to help yeah him out. i mean because he was bleeding too started trickling you know, out almost immediately yeah I i don't know if he got cut from the visor or he broke his nose or whatever like i mean could have been both who knows but um, but yeah, guys like that, that take care of that business, immediate respect. Like just look at any time like Dylan cousins or Peyton, Krebs, like Peyton Krebs fighting guys eat that stuff up. Like they go nuts sure. for that. They're just kind of like, Oh, look at this guy. He's fighting. Like, that's cool. And you don't want him doing it, you know, twice a game every night. Like that's stupid, but if he's willing to do it, cause I mean, Peyton's not like a physically imposing guy. I mean, he's, he's kind of, you know, he's strong, but like scrappy strong, you
1: know? Sure. Um, the fact that he was like dropping gloves with guys, kind of like, Okay. All right. We're doing this now. All right. Okay. That's cool. Um. What about Jordan Greenway? Who okay. got he? He didn't play Saturday. He is people. Mm-hmm. The, the game's already going to be played when people listen to this. But uh, your thoughts on the acquisition overall of, of Jordan Greenway? It's
2: uh, I was a little hesitant
1: about this early on. Uh, when it was it was
2: getting kicked around as a rumor. Uh, before the deadline, and I was like, I don't know about this because there's a lot of what. Uh, how his play was going in Minnesota that just didn't sit right with me. And I'm, maybe it's the situation. Maybe it's, you know, this, that, or the other thing, maybe, you know, who knows. Um, but I wasn't, you know, especially because he's got like one, another year or two on the contract for $3 million. I'm like, it's like, man, if he plays like this, when he comes here, man, like that, I ain't going to cut it. Like, cause you know, you got a ton of forwards already and like you got a guy that's not going to like really, you know, get things done and take care of business. And that's tough. The thing that makes him different though, and there's a couple of things. Obviously his size. He's 6'6", 230. Like that's a linebacker on ice. Like sure. he's, a, he's a big guy. Yep. Um he he does play physical. He skates quick. Like he's not a he's not an iceberg out there. He's he's gonna go fast. so he's uh, I mean, like
1: a termain, he's a termaine on skates, man. A little on bit.
2: Yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, it, it, it the, the role that he's gonna play, you know, forechecking, checking penalty kill, you know, he's you know, he's uh Monday night he played with Jurgensen's and Opozo, like that's kind of where he's going to factor into things. I think the PK is going to be the biggest thing for him because, I mean, that needs to get right. They have one of the worst PKs in the NHL. <laughs> you got to fix that up. Um, he does have a little bit of scoring touch. I mean, he's broken double digits twice. I think he scored 12 one year and 10 another year. Not a big point guy, like 20 to 30 points. Like, whatever. Like, I mean, bottom six guy, like, that's, that's fine. You'll take it. Any, any offense you get is kind of a bonus. But, um, but he's also going to be the bouncer. Right, you know, the, Kevin Adams was pretty straightforward about saying like, you know, teams are trying to bully us. You know, he's like we're handling our business. Yeah. Guys are, you know, guys are t- sticking up for each other and doing all that stuff, but teams are not going to stop doing that, you know, because they know it'll, it drives teams, you know, it drives them nuts and you know, you got to take somebody good off the ice if somebody sticks up for him, like whatever. Uh, now it's not to say Jordan Greenway is not a good player. He is a good player. He's in the NHL. Um, but if he's the guy that is going to take somebody off the ice because uh, somebody else decides to take a run at someone. Okay. Like that's fine. We saw the Tampa game. Tampa game would have been a pretty good one to have, to have Jordan Greenway available for that one because I sure. mean, Stillman answered the bell obviously, but, um, but when you got a guy out there that, you know, can crush you along the boards or the corners, you know, out front you know, out front of the net, it's a lot different. Like, cause you can't just go, you know, flying willy nilly at
1: everybody. One last question and then we'll wrap up here. I know you got to get to the arena too pretty soon. It's Friday, or what, what, when was the deadline? It was last Friday. Yes. Hours leading up to it, a couple hours before the trade deadline, were you starting to get really annoyed by a lot of people, and by a lot of people, let's throw myself in there as well, that were bitching that like Kevin Adams is not doing anything. You know, this team, they're not trying to win. They don't care about the present, it's all yeah. the future, this and that. Was it getting a little bit annoying to uh, whether they were DMs on Twitter to you directly or just <laughs> seeing people on the timeline? Again, Maybe being one of them who were really digging in and bitching, and it felt like the Sabres <laughs> were not going to make any move at all? I, uh, I, I'm not going to say annoyed. I, it's, you know, it's A lot of the
2: stuff that I was saying was just kind of uh, you know, my opinion was like I agreed with about Adams and, and Granado and Kyle Pozo. Like, all these guys said the same exact thing to, to us and to me about you know, how they were going to approach things. They're like, we're not giving up you know, big futures to, to, to try to get something now. Like, that's just not what's going to happen. And if you're going to get something for now, like to address now, immediately, like right away, like a rental or, you know, or Jacob Checker and like whatever checker the checker things a whole different, it's a whole different, like, you know, uh, can of worms there. But, um, but it's just, you know, if you're thinking like, ah, just give up Roseanne ah give up this guy, just ah, give up Savoy. Like, yeah, we don't need him. We don't see him for three years. Like, ah, it's fine. Like that's not how this team flies. Like that's how this team got in trouble so many times in the past where you know you're just giving away stuff like that and i i remember i i i answered you because what you said you're like what's the harm in giving up a third round pick for a guy i don't get it and i was like you were like the third or fourth person to say that to me that day like Copying almost and the exact like almost the exact same wording and i was I like copy what? and paste that shit i was like i was like Geez. i was like did reddit have this out there like did every did every writer with this with this comeback like I was like, man, like, listen, like, I, I agree with you. Third round, third round pick ain't nothing, like. But what are you getting for a third round pick? I think that was, I think that was the main thing. Was you know the answer you're looking for is not going, is you're not going to get that with what you're saying to give up. I um, and You know, and Adams made that pretty clear in talking about Chickering. And kudos to Lance. I, I gave him kudos on the pod- podcast as well for wording his question in a way that he that Adams could talk about Chickering without mentioning his name and saying like. You know, you know. Listen, the the price for us was different than what the the price Ottawa paid. You know, what they asked of us was not something we were comfortable with. You know, right. what, You know, what Ottawa paid was they they were happy with that. No, Ottawa gave up. Ottawa gave up like an unprotected first round pick this year. Which if they don't make the playoffs, depending on where they slot in, you know, in the, the you know the bottom sixteen, like the second, you know, the other half, the the, the non playoff teams, if they finish, say they finished eleventh, you know, the eleventh worst team say they win the lottery i know oops oops arizona yep. just got the number one pick thanks yep. to ottawa like yep. that's the thing like i mean anything anything 2 through 11 can win the first can can get the first pick the most you can move up is that much but like tw- even 12th like 12th you can move up to 2 13th move up to 3 like the whole thing yep. you finish 16th win the lottery somehow you can move up to you can move up to 5 or 6 like that's tough and like ottawa ottawa said that their rebuilds done but like I'm looking at that roster, going like, you know, over man, like you, you, don't have, you don't really have a lot coming in behind these guys, so <laughs> yeah, uh, like the pipeline's not as full. But I no to say I got annoyed with people. No, I mean it's stressful because we're waiting for stuff to come through and then it does, and we're you know we're you know checking it out, like you know going over the numbers, all that stuff. Like it's stressful in that moment, but it, annoyed? No. If people were like Joe, tell Adams to do this, like no, I'm not going to. A B, shut up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, you have a better demeanor than me cuz I absolutely um would have been annoyed and I'm glad you brought up the point too that just because Ottawa gave up what they gave up for the trade doesn't mean the Sabers would have only had to give up the same thing. All, you know, the trade offers right. were probably well, different. Well, that was the thing like people were like Sabers could beat that
2: deal. Yeah, no, very easily they could. But that they weren't asked for their first round pick and, you know, uh, you know, like a second or whatever that whatever the hell Ottawa paid. Like three, I think it was three picks. Man, yeah. that, that Arizona wasn't asking for that from Buffalo. They were asking for like Yuri Kulik and, and Matt Savoy, and then probably the first round pick this year. Like, sorry, no, that's right. not the deal you make, man. Like, that's that's the, the price is different. That's not the price Buffalo is going to pay. Agreed. Ottawa, like, Ottawa takes their guys off the table, or, you know, maybe Arizona's like, the prospects you're offering really suck. We don't want them. Like, you know, they just say, yeah, whatever. Just give us your first round pick unprotected. Okay, done. Easy. Like just yeah. give
1: us. we need a defenseman. Just take him. <laughs> All right. So we're going to wrap with our, we've been doing this for a while now. Um, to end the show, I got three questions for you randomly. I go on Facebook. There's some groups like the salad recipe group. I see some interesting questions, even though they're not really about food. Then I just steal them. Just flat out rob them And, uh, ask you these, um, again, little fun fact things. People get to know a little bit more about you and myself as well. Um, The first one I asked, if you're watching this on YouTube, I don't have the graphic for it. I do for the other two. But uh, the question was, what's something you were required to learn in high school that you've never used in your adult life?
2: See, I feel like I have to pick like a different answer because the easy answer is like trigonometry. It's like, when the hell am I using like the sine, cosine, tangent of shit in my life? Like never, never. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, it's good to learn. Don't get me wrong. It's good to learn and good to know, like the basics and, and all that stuff. You know, radius, diameter, all blah blah blah, all that stuff. Great, good to learn, but like finding like deep trigonometry stuff, man. Like where you gotta, <laughs> where you have to buy like the TI eighty three scientific calculator to do shit, and it's no, I like, literally never use any of that. Every other class that I took, like in high school, I think I can say I've used some of that at some point, at least, or like maybe even for like trivia. If like if it helped me get like free beers one night, okay. easy done, great, thank you. Like, but I mean, that's a good point. practical life stuff and like anything like or even trivia. Like, no, they don't ask enough questions about trigonometry, bar trivia, or you know, in my life. Like, you try to tell me to like figure out like the the cosine of the tangent of like the uh, the uh, the crease on a on the on the ice. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Get lost. <laughs>
1: You you bring up a good point. I was going to say history was one of mine, but sure, if you want to use it for for trivia or you know, something that didn't really matter but might have won me a beer or something like that or watching Jeopardy <laughs> and knowing a couple questions more, maybe I guess history, Spanish for me. I took Spanish. I know I don't I don't remember any Spanish. Dude, you good on the west side. I well I guess simple, you know, I know basic math fairly well but i knew that before i got to high school so i pretty much most shit that i learned in high school are required to learn doesn't really do much for me (laughs) in my uh in my adult life and it's probably not something i should be proud of by the way but uh so so you're saying you don't know
2: when when people are swearing at you in spanish right or jackass right no
1: no earthly idea i think i might have taken a year of french too and i'm i know i Definitely failed Spanish. I know that for a fact because I almost got kicked off the football team in high school because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next question. What's the 1970s saddest song you have ever heard? The saddest song you've heard that you could think of from the decade of the 70s? You know. You're not really much of a sad song kind of guy either. No. It's, it's like, kind of like my lane.
2: Like I have a I have a handful of like songs that I know that if I hear it I'm just going to be like no I cannot listen to this today. Like I just absolutely know. Like it's like I'm in a good mood and that thing comes on I'm like next or next channel like whatever just get me away from it. Ah, saddest from the 70s man like I feel like there's uh, I don't know like it it Sad for me is like it's it's a mood thing. Like it's not necessarily get a uh, get a teared up kind of thing. Sure, 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 sure.
3: Um, yeah, I, it's it's tough, man. These yeah, it's easy, this easy, is easy. this is
2: really hard because again, like sad songs are not my not my wheelhouse. Oh, no, it's not your lane. That's my not lane. It's not my thing at all. Like you said, like something from the nineties.
1: I know deep the '70s deep are deep also deep. a long damn time ago. Yeah, and like my, my '70s
2: likes are not are not like uh, <laughs> you know. I for me, I think it would have to be like something by the Carpenters, probably. Sure. Like, and I I could not pull a Carpenters song title off. <laughs> <laughs> not do uh, it. But I know there's a the song about
1: Mondays. There's <laughs> a song about Mondays that always did something bad to Karen yeah. Carpenter. I remember I, that. I, like, I mean, I guess. And it's not a sad. Uh,
2: no, it's not a sad song. Let me but tell you the. Let me like tell you Beth the sad. By Kiss like who? Beth by Kiss. Oh. like
1: eh. no, it's not really sad. But it's just eh.
2: different. You
1: know, it depends how you interpret songs too. Sometimes yeah. the popular one that I would say most people would say is Dom McLean, American Pie. Uh, it's. Uh, yeah, yeah. I really don't care for that song. Is that I, sad? I was. Like, huh? is that is that actually a sad song? I I I think so. Cats in the Cradle is another sad song oh, that I saw. Oh, um, hang on. That's I'm, the one.
2: Uh, Cats that's in the Cradle. The, like, yeah, yeah, no, that's the song. That is a hundred, <laughs> no, that erase anything that I said, just delete it off the podcast. <laughs> delete it right off the it's, podcast, even though is, we're shooting live on video. That's okay. Cat, though, but. Cat the Cats in the Cradle, man. Like that song. Dude, yeah. fuck that song. <laughs> 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 that is like a get out of my head like no stop it just no, don't toy with my emotions yeah. I want
1: to uh, cool. I I wanted to say although I didn't know if it would be cheating or not that Miller the Rose is a really sad song yeah it was recorded in 1979 but it wasn't released until March of 1980 so I felt like I might be cheating if I said that one Um, I went with Pink Rose or Pink Rose Pink Floyd <laughs> <laughs> i think the rules in my mind pink floyd i uh, wish you were here for sentimental reasons that song's got sentimental value to me sadly it it mm-hmm. does 1975 song by pink floyd um i like that song a lot but it, it is uh very sad See, you know
2: it, picking pink floyd that's a that's a great call um the other one i would have thought would be comfortably numb that's, that's like, one. that's another one. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a great song. Like it is our solo, the guitar work, everything about it. But like, man, that's a song that hits your right in the gut. Sure. I mean, it's, it's not like a, it's not a teary song, but boy, it gets you in, in, into a, into a place in your head where you're like, Ooh, I'm having a day, <laughs> day and yeah.
1: a half. All right, man. Enough of this sad shit. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's get to the last question here. Where would you go if your trip was completely paid for? You can go anywhere you want and your and your trip is paid for. Where where are you go? Anywhere. Anywhere at all? Anywhere. It's completely paid for. Uh you won on a game it's, show it's, or something, it, yeah. and you won the grand prize, and they're yep. sending you wherever all expenses paid. Where are you going? It's it,
2: it's a region. It's not necessarily a very specific place, but Australia, New Zealand. Like that's send me there. That'd be cool. That's, I would I would love to see. I mean. Australia is terrifying because it has creatures that will murder you at any point, at any time, <laughs> any time of day. It has bugs the size of your head. Like, just everything about like that part of it is, is terrifying, but like the whole place seems cool as hell. I, you know, a friend of mine uh, who, you know, I got to know through hockey and Twitter or whatever, like she lives in, she moved back to Australia, like she's from there. Um, and I'm just like, one day I'm going to come and hang out and visit. Like, one day I'm going to get out there and like, I don't know when the hell that would be. I have no idea. Like, how hell am I gonna go get to Australia? I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> but like New Zealand, like New Zealand looks incredible. Like, I mean, geez, just watch Lord of the Rings. Like all the all the stuff out, you know, outdoors is is that. I, it's New Zealand's like breathtaking stuff. So yeah, like that's about as far away as I could get and it have it be with enough modern accoutrements, but also be kind of natural in some ways. Like I don't want it to be just like a giant city, like Tokyo would be cool. Tokyo would be cool as hell. Yeah, um, And like going to the South Pole, going to Antarctica could be pretty rad. But like, I mean, there's a one place has nothing. The other place is too much. So, yeah, you know.
1: I like Australia, man. That that would be high on my list. I, I love the accents. I, I just love hearing people talk Australian. I, really, I the accents. really, really cool yeah. oh, for me. I, absolutely. I, it would be Dublin, Ireland. Yeah. Uh, I really love it. If there's like one overseas place that I really want to go before I die, it, it would probably be there. And matter of fact, I'm kind of hoping to win the lottery in the next few months because Notre Dame is playing in Dublin against Navy on uh, August 26th. Oh, okay. and I've asked Aaron, my wife, to kind of look in them, just fantasizing, you know, what mm-hmm. it would cost to uh, be able to go there and make it a trip and go to a game out of it sure would be exuberant though yeah. <laughs> well, um, i ain't I, that shit anytime soon man. i mean i don't know like i know a lot of people that do trips to ireland
2: and their deals come up it's just it's tough to do it out of here because you're not getting a direct flight from here you might be able to i don't know if toronto's got direct flights or not but um but like no matter what like from here you're going through boston or new york city to get there and that's sure. annoying and whatever <laughs> but like but like going there like i would i'm I, at some point in like the next 5 years my goal is to go go to ireland go to england go to scotland see the see all of it do the grand tour and then maybe end up living there who knows <laughs> 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 maybe be like know what? i don't like it here this is good i think i'll stick around weather's dreary all the time up yeah perfect
1: i love it <laughs> All right, guys that's going to do it for today follow joe on twitter at joe yordan go to his substack again it is notedhockey.substack.com Again, Joe, four games with the Sabres this week. I'm sure you're going to have tons of content up on oh, yeah. there, hopefully from a Sabres fan perspective anyway. It's going to be a lot yeah. of positive game reports and vibes, but regardless of how they do, uh, you'll find all of Joe's work up there. Maintenance Day podcast, usually I want to say every Monday, but sometimes it might drop on a on a Tuesday, but typically um, Joe and Lance get together and yeah. they do a show on Monday. It kind of depends on the, the schedule and the games and stuff oh, yeah. like that where they can get the the best stuff out, but thanks as always, man. It's always great to have me on the show.
2: No, it's it's always a good time, and uh, yeah, next time I'll I'll be better prepared for sad songs of of decades, so I can <laughs> have so I don't get stunted. All
1: right, one more time. Thank you again for listening or watching. Please, please make sure on the audio side that you follow, rate, and review on whatever your favorite podcasting platform is, and then on the video side, make sure to subscribe, hit that little bell for notifications on new videos and smash that like button for this video. I know it's tedious to say, but I cannot emphasize enough how much doing that stuff helps support this show and get us higher on those algorithms that ultimately make or break shows just like this. Thanks again. Stay safe, and we'll see you again soon.
3: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.